This podcast is powered by Zencaster. My guest on today's podcast is Kapali Kalnak. Kapali Kalnak, pronouns they, them, is a transmasculine, non-binary, queer, black creative, born and raised on Lenape territory, New York City. They are an interdisciplinary artist generating nuanced performances and creative direction seeped in somatic elements for over two decades. Kapali discovered the vertical world of aerial acrobatics in 2006, training primarily in cordelis or rope, studying in NYC with Kevin O'Connor and in London at the National Circus Center. They've taught Kapoli's aerial class for over a decade. Their performance production enterprise, Black Acrobat, organically sprouted from wanting to see more Black and Indigenous people of color, or BIPOC, in circus and the performing arts world. They direct, poet, they direct poetic relationship narratives that reflect the cultural fluidity of Blackness, queerness, and current events and social issues. Black Acrobat shares stories of, for, and with fringe communities, celebrating authentic visions and viewpoints through research, access, and collaboration. They were a panelist for Circus Talks, Wake Up Call, Allyship in the U.S. Circus Industry, and Gibney Dance's Long Table, People of Color in Contemporary Circus. They are covered in Essence and contributed How It Feels to Be an Aerial Acrobat to Oprah's to Oprah Winfrey's O Magazine. Their works received generous funding and support from Elizabeth Streb, Astrea Foundation, Asian Arts Initiative, and the New York Foundation for the Arts. Cable Lee is a proud member of the Lincoln Center Directors Lab, SAC AFTRA, and Actors Equity Association. Please welcome Cable Lee to the podcast. Thank you. On. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me, Shanae. This is really uh, a special moment. So thank you. You are just fabulous. We were speaking uh, before we started the recording, and I wanted to say happy birthday, Kapley. <laughs> thank you. I just you know, 50 and fabulous. Oh my God. 50 and fabulous. Again, uh, listeners, I am going to ask Kapoli for the fountain of youth because my goodness, if this is what 50 looks like, this is 50. <laughs> you can all hope to be so lucky. I mean, I don't know. I, I think I need to, uh, you know, I need to change that regimen or, you know, to, but I'm going to say it's the, that melanin. <laughs> It's definitely, you know, black don't crack. We've all heard it. It's definitely true in my case. I'm absolutely blessed. My parents still get carded when they go out. So it's in the genes. What a, what a blessing. You are so incredible. I mean, and, you know, I mean, even just to start off with that, because I would love to speak to you about what it means to be 50, to be in the performing arts world. Um, you know, it's, again, not something that we get to speak about a lot, and that's ageism uh, in circus in the performing arts world. Uh, the idea that, you know, your time is up, so to speak, or that, you know, you need to do a transitionary phase or that you can't be as um, as uh, externally uh, producing yourself as you once were, uh, which I find fascinating and interesting the older I get. I always tell everybody I aged out of my career at the age of like 15. Um, so I felt aged out for a really long time. <laughs> And in these spaces, again, uh, you know, uh, individuals such as yourself, Kapoli, are challenging um, all of those narratives. Um, and during this Black history, Black history, uh, Black their story, uh, we are celebrating Black creatives, Black entrepreneurs, uh, Black creators. And I always tell everyone every single day is uh, Black History Month 
uh, on this podcast. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Showing up as myself and then also to what I feel um, dedicated to uh, uh, for the Live Like an Acrobat podcast um, as Black Acrobat has been doing for so long. Um, and I'm also too interested to hear what that journey has been like for you, Kate because as we've seen, things have changed. There's now a renaissance of Black Acrobats uh, within circus and within the performing arts, which is amazing and so long overdue because we've always been here um, and we're not going anywhere. If anything, we're just going to continue to get more pronounced and more powerful. But how did that come to pass and how have you seen it evolve during these times and what does it mean even more now with you being on the pulse of the Black acrobatic-ness for so long? <laughs> <laughs> That was good. That was good. Yo, that was so much, so many wonderful questions. Um, I appreciate all of them and I'm excited to dive in. Hey, hey, Black History Month, February. <laughs> My favorite month of the year. So let's start with that ageism question, right? Because yeah. I just turned 50 on February 11. And um, I kind of feel like I'm at the prime of my life. Mm -hmm. And when you turn 50, you're a half a century years old. What? Oh, my God. Again for the people in the back. <laughs> right, right. So you, you, you kind of think back on your, you know, on, you know, your past 50 years and, you know, what you've gone through, what you've accomplished and where you thought you'd be the expectations. Mm. Um, I feel like an emerging artist again. Mm. And it's so interesting when you talk about being aged out of a certain artistic or creative uh, passion. I started circus when I was 35. So I was already aged out when I started. <laughs> so that is so important for listeners to hear because everyone always thinks or assumes everyone started when they were three, they were four, they were five. And I say, no, there is no rhyme or reason to when you start your performing arts career, your circus career, your acrobatic career. Please continue, Kaypoli. Yes, 100%. Mm -hmm. And granted, you know, I I started off as an actor. So, you know, my body was tuned, um, you know, dance was part of that. So, you know, I'm, you know, decently strong uh, cyclist. So I, you know, I ride my bikes, but circus is a whole nother level. It's Olympic level <laughs> of, you know, of focus and body conditioning. And to start that at, you know, 35 and just be gung ho and have the circus industry. Uh, oof, I don't want to curse so early into the podcast. <laughs> oh my goodness. I mean, I don't want to say I was, um, like, I, I, it was just negative and just very, in like, microaggressive ways. Mm -hmm. I'm very glad we have this word now. Mm -hmm. um, in just microaggressive ways. So, you know, you're dealing with the ageism in a microaggressive way. You're dealing with 
um, your race, you're dealing with your gender. There's all kinds of, you know, weirdness that comes along when you're just trying to, you know, climb a rope and go upside down and make pretty shapes in the air. Thought, right? I mean, right. Just away from my rope, and everyone's got so many ideas and opinions about about me. <laughs> truly, truly. Um, so I know I'm jumping around a little bit, but j- just to um, hop back to that emerging artist part at mm-hmm. 50. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I I'm a creative, mm-hmm. right? I'm not only circus. I'm also an actor, a director, a writer. You know, I do all the things, a producer, a a mover. Mm -hmm. So, you know, applying for grants, because that's what you need. Like you need to have some sort of financial backing to continue creating the works that you want to create, whether it's your own personal works or larger productions, whether you're, you know, collaborating with others, what have you, you're going to need that grant money, that foundational money. You're going to need that fellowship. You're going to need that residency. And they're geared for younger people. (laughs) Imagine. I'm shocked. (laughs) It's hurtful. It's really hurtful because I'm a lifelong learner. Mm -hmm. We as human beings, when we like came down from our stardust into these human bodies, Mm -hmm. we're still learning and growing and evolving. So to have these limits placed on us is very counterintuitive and very unfortunate, especially in a creative artistic kind of world. So I just want to put that out there. <laughs> because it makes no sense. And I have before spoken on the podcast capably about starting a campaign called In the Brackets, you know, ending the age brackets that are set up whenever you, um, you, uh, you know, kind of apply for something, whether it's an audition or a grant or an, any job, there's always a bracket that you find yourself at some point in time, which I remind the young ones, you will eventually be in the next bracket as well. So don't get too excited. Um, <laughs> and you find yourself out of that bracket and then you find yourself out of those opportunities. And some of the best opportunities that you could ever utilize are when you're of an age that's past that time. And again, there's some things that you know when you're younger and there's some things that just cannot be taught unless you know, and you've had enough of experience and time in the game and you've had that wisdom um, and you've had that experience, no matter what you think you're on the pulse of or on the trend of, because you might be younger and uh, in, in environments that maybe if you're at a different age bracket, you just might not be privy to all the time. But also that changes as well. If you're parenting, if you're teaching, you're actually very absorbed in a lot of those environments simultaneously. I mean, over the course of my life and my career, sometimes, you know, different people ask me like, how do you know that? I'm like, well, I'm, I'm around a lot of different ages, age ranges, uh, because of feeding into the business in a lot of different ways, which is very valuable. But even still, um, you know, it, it should still be highly regarded. It's not degenerative. <laughs> it's, 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 it's an accumulation of invaluable experiences that the things I wish I, the things that I know now, I always say, had I, not that I didn't know them, but I didn't know to properly uh, institute them within my experiences and use them within uh, stronger boundaries in the way that I know of now. Because it's not that I didn't know them, I just didn't understand them on the level that I do now. And I wish that I did. And again, that's where age comes in. So please continue, Kapalee. 
no, no, great, great points all around. It definitely that maturity has helped. I mean, granted, I wish I had that, you know, 24 year old body again. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah no. for sure, for no. sure. <laughs> I think I need um, just back. And Wait, what was that? I, I, again, I, I think that you're fabulous. But again, those are things that do change as well. And and what I've also seen in business is that nobody really prepares you for that enough. And I think it's, again, because a lot of the conversations have not been had of what happens when your body does change and when you're not operating on that level anymore and when you don't want to um, and when you want to do different things with your body because your body feels different, operates different, looks differently. And again, those are different phases that should just be honored. There's different stages. And indigenous cultures used to do that where they used to honor just different phases of your life. I mean, honoring different phases of your career in, a, in the best way with your body changing. And again, there's, I think also too, there's nothing wrong with wanting things to be a certain way that they were before that you enjoyed them in, in different ways. I think that's having gratitude for different, different times in your life. Things carried you through for different reasons in different ways, but it doesn't mean like, oh, but that makes you like less, less, less of great, less of amazing now, which I think is usually what people take that as, which is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> right. No, the, you bring up such great points. I hear you. And you know, that, that circle of ages, um, kind of reminded me about, uh, mentorship because mm -hmm. I was thinking about black acrobat and thinking about what, and legacy and thinking about how, you know, time is a circle or maybe it's, a spiral, you know, maybe it overlaps. It's, you know, a slinky dink. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that is the first um, <laughs> slinky dink. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, I remember feeling like when I found my groove as Black Acrobat. And one of the initiatives was um, Cape Lee's aerial class because Black Acrobat, you, you know, it's a container. It's a safe space. It is a place where if you're cutie BIPOC, queer, trans, Black, Indigenous, person of color, if you are on the fringe of society, if you have disabilities, if somebody said you were too fat and shouldn't do you know, ex you know, exercise. If somebody said, you know, like, oh, you're deaf or, you know, you've got problems or, you know, whatever reason, um, somebody said no to you, uh, Black Acrobat, Cape Lee's Aerial Class was that yes place. And so uh, it's so important to figure out how to to not only give back in the sense of offering classes and this community, but also like the legacy of it, you know, how, you know, it was just a one person show. It was, you know, Cape Lee was teaching Cape Lee's aerial class because <laughs> I'm kind of jumping in here to say like, how do we sustain our, um, our communities? You know, if we have these circus communities of color, if there's, or, or just there's, we are here. How do we sustain ourselves? Whether it's a network, whether it's um, mentorship, um, are we doing some some type of archiving of our work? And I really found that was my biggest struggle. 
because we are here, we've been here, and um, you know we're more visible now more than ever, which makes my heart sing, which is so exciting. Yes. But then there's also a part of me that's like, I don't, I don't actually know how to find that next black acrobat or, and then do we have a, like a directory (laughs) all of a sudden, you know, um, you know, if, if I Google black acrobat, is your name going to come up? Right. You know what I mean? Capelis does. Yours does. Because I did some good marketing by yeah. calling myself Black Acrobat. I, I, I double checked because I was curious and I wanted to see what does come up now. And I was like, oh, Capely, Black Acrobat comes up if you if you put you in Google. <laughs> and and not much, not much other than that, because then it goes into what like Adobe or something like that. It's 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 not much. It goes into uh, like graphic design. So you know, uh, let's all start uh, getting those uh, those Google searches <laughs> to push ourselves up to the top, so that when we do put in Black Acrobat, there's a full reservoir and resource of things. When you were saying that, actually, um, you reminded me capably of uh, David David. Um, God, Ava DuVernay, excuse me, Ava DuVernay, the director, because she was speaking about how, um, uh, you know, those within Hollywood would continuously come to her and say, I can't find this person, I can't find that person of color or that black person. And she said, well, you know what I decided to do? I decided, which I'm sure maybe you heard this capable, she said she decided to create a directory. So she created the directory herself and put it online. She's like, and I just upload and put every single person's information in there that I've ever worked with that I've ever known of that is black or a person of color. Um, I'm not sure if that also includes those with disabilities or different ways of um, accessibility as well. But I definitely know that it's key. It's very specifically focused on black and um, and BIPOC artists. So I thought that was fascinating. But she was like, I just got tired. And she's like, and I just didn't know what to do either. And so she was like, I think that that's what I, you know, that's what I was supposed to do. So again, yeah, great idea. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, I know it's not, you know... <laughs> I'm not the first person to think of this. And, you know, and it really reminds me of when um, Spike Lee, Do the Right Thing, when that came out, he also tried to have a fully Black set. And so what is this, 20 years later, Ava DuVernay has to do it again. And it's like revolutionary. Like we haven't figured it out yet. And it's not like we like pointing the fingers like, oh, Black people get it together. That's not what I'm saying. It's like community, like artistic, creative community get it together. This isn't only on our backs. We have always had communication channels. Hello. Hello. It is not our responsibility. <laughs> right. So, right. Not all the time. So it's it's just interesting. Um, wow. Thank you for bringing bringing her up. I did this. Uh, you mentioned when you were reading my bio that I did this uh, panel allyship in the U.S. circus. And you know that was that was a rough time. That was a rough panel and that was a rough time. And I think because, because of that panel, I now despise the word ally. Mm. I really need to have a new definition. Let me call you my comrade. Let me call you my friend. Let me call you my partner. 
Just because I think, you know, there's there's a confusion around what allyship is or what does that mean to really support someone? What does it mean to have true equality and equity? What does it mean to like give up some of the pie? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I am an only child. I feel like the most privileged, blessed, Black, creative, non-binary babe out there. To say that I do circus, to say that I've been an actor and a director, to say that I've traveled this world on a dime, (laughs) but being my true creative self. Also, I've lived in Capely world. I do admit that. (laughs) I'm very, you know, I support I support fringe communities because I be living on the fringe because I don't want to, I don't want to step into the white supremacist, patriarchal, you know, homogenous, cisgendered, uh, yawn, yawn world, you know, which is why I was so happy. I was like, woohoo, I'm circus, everybody. That's my new designation. You know, now I understand who I am. I am circus. As a verb, I am circus. Mm. And then when I learned that I can't even be my black, full, queer, weirdo, Aquarian self in circus, Mm. honey, something's got to change. People got to, people got to, I don't know. I don't know. I I know because you know what it is? We're not the ones with the problem. So sometimes I get very like not, you know, focused on telling people what they have to do to make it better. Like. I don't know. Right. Do some introspection. <laughs> right. Some deep introspection. Well, if you could, Kaybilly, hold that thought for just one moment as I bring a word from our sponsor. Hey, it's Shanae, enjoying the podcast, wondering how I make it. If you ever want to start a podcast or make and edit video content, Zencaster is the best tool for newbies and professionals. Easy to use, phenomenal audio and video quality beyond, and offers a free trial. Join the podcast community at Zencaster.com, and don't forget to use my code, Zencaster Shanae Stiletto for 30% off your first three months of professional podcasting. The link is in the description of this episode. And now back to the show. Yes, Capely, I love what you were saying about allyship. I think that those are very um, loaded terms. Those are still very complicated conversations um, and discussions that we need to continue to have. And I love what you said about it being more about, are you willing to give up a piece of the pie? Because when push comes to shove, not a lot of people are. And it doesn't mean how well-intended you are or how good-intended you are. If it means less for you in a certain way, it can be very challenging for those who have good hearts to be willing to give up the access and the power that they've had over an industry for so long. Um, you know, it, it's, it's, there's, there's a lot of gatekeepers um, and there's individuals and those within community that are gatekeepers without even realizing it and realizing how uh, strong, how much of a stronghold or stranglehold um, they have over things. But it's what I've put out there um, within my advocacy. And I know within your prominent advocacy as well in saying, you know, are you willing uh, when a uh, when a when a client comes to you and um, they say that they only want performers uh, that are not of color, um, that are not queer, that are, are 
dead or not disabled. Are you willing to say, well, this is the pool that I have to choose from? You, I have these five artists. They fit into all those categories that you've asked me not to propose. And I'm willing to lose this job um, if you will not choose these artists to do this job. Now, I say that because I was listening to something not that long ago where the, where individuals are speaking about the idea of that and then actually the reality of having to do it. And then people start to say, well, you know, I'm just, I'm doing my best and it's hard. And I say, you know, what's also been hard? Being one of those artists that has so much to give and is just as professional and just as abled and has uh, just as much right to be there as you, but has missed out on those opportunities and those jobs and has not been able to make a viable career out of their circus um, performances and their circus skill and has had to rely on having outside jobs because they get overlooked a lot. And, you know, some of them say it's very scary for them to, um, to go against uh, what their clients want. But I also, too, call upon agents uh, when clients come to you. Will you say, I'm sorry, I'm dedicated to using 50% of Black BIPOC and uh, differently abled artists for this event? Um, and if you're not interested in that, then I guess you need to find a different agent. So are the allies willing to do the real hard work. Because when they say that they're so nervous, they say, no, you're just so afraid of what you're going to lose financially and the power that you've had, because they will skip over you. You will lose work. Um, but to me, advocacy, that's what that means. You have to be willing to lose the job. You have to be willing to, to lose access to things that you've had before, um, because that's what I feel like it means to come from your moral center and ethical center. And those are the ways for me that it's going to change. Um, and again, sometimes when folks say that they're very nervous or very scared to do those things, they say, Imagine being us and showing up in spaces that many times don't want us there. Imagine how afraid or nervous or scared or intimidated we have been. Um, yet we still shine. We still put forth our, our creativity. We get the job done. Um, and we're professional. Um, and we know how to hold ourselves uh, in beautiful, creative ways. So, you know, again, sure. It can be hard for things to transform out of your comfort zone. Um, but imagine living in spaces where you're almost never allowed to be in your comfort zone just by being in your skin all day, every single day. So I think that, uh, you know, everything that you said within that is, uh, is, is very powerful. And I think that, again, it continues and will continue, which I was going to ask Kaybelly too, you know, from what you're seeing on a micro level to what you've seen on a macro level and maybe the difference within that, because in certain things I see in, in certain um, BIPOC spheres that are on kind of like the micro level, I've heard about and seen a lot of those changes and, you know, um, and uh, progressions. But on the macro level, when you're looking out, you know, how much of that do you feel is changing enough in that way um, where it's becoming um, uh, more equitable? Um, and you know, it, like any examples that you can speak to that, or again, if you feel like not enough has changed within, from those very difficult conversations that we've had. Mm, that's a great question. Oh my goodness. You bring up so many great stems of thought. I have been 
part of amazing productions that have been primarily cutie BIPOC. A lot of them have happened in California, uh, places that are not New York City. And that's where I'm uh, zooming in or potting in from, podcasting in from. (laughs) Uh, I'm in Brooklyn, New York City right now. Um, And I found stronger pockets of of like BIPOC circus in uh, the Bay Area, for example. So that was like its own little bubble. Um, But then when we get to a larger scale, this macro scale that you talk about, to be honest, you know, I I don't know what's happening. I, I... I kind of had to step back from circus. Mm-hmm. I think I got very frustrated. Um, the the panini happened and, you know, all of the gyms closed down. Literally, there was this new, literally, and I think this happened for a lot of people. The top of 2020, there was a lot of expectation and just like, dreams of, you know, oh my gosh, we finally made it to 2020, the special year and number, and we're going to do, we're going to have the best lives ever. And that was, you know, cut off at the knees. Capely's aerial class was like flourishing with a whole new generation of black acrobats and everything was new again. Uh, So... When all of that stopped, I mean, that's now we're in 2022. Like, I haven't dipped my toe back in. Mm-hmm. It's already uh, industry, and I will call circus an industry. Very much. That's, that's built on capitalism as well, mm-hmm. on white supremacy and colorism and, you know, all those things. So, yeah, no one's taking a financial risk even though they might have put up a black square or marched because of George Floyd or like remembered that they were not a person of color and had a lot of privilege all of a sudden. You know, you, you, you know the Great Awakening, I don't know if I've seen that full ripple effect. I've seen some, yes, some doors opening and some amazing opportunities for a lot of us. Mm-hmm. But I just wonder about the sustainability of that. And it goes back to the pie. And it's not about, you know, for me, it's not about, oh, thank you for the seat at the table. I am building my own architecture (laughs) 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 for us to gather. It's not, you know, so... Um, and that's that pie. It's not only resources in terms of financial resources, it's space. Mm. Give me that land, give me that space. Um, and for, you know, longer amounts of time, you know, it, it's, a, it, it's, it's so, it's so layered. <laughs> it's so layered. Um, and then what did you bring up spaces where we're not wanted? Ooh, that hit me in my heart. Yes. Yeah. It's deep. That's why. It is so deep. Yes. So deep. And the gatekeeping. And, you know, the little bit I know about your illustrious career. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> I'm I'm a little bit, you know, fan girl boying right now. Um <laughs> 
so beautiful. <laughs> you know, I, I know you've been some places and you've seen some things. And, um, you know, when I started my circus career in, you know, the bowels of some abandoned bank, you know, whatever space I was in, um, you know, the person running the show was also fucking like the new young hot aerialist who wanted to take his class. You know what I mean? Like you had to deal with like that weirdness also of like this weird sexual thing happening. I was like, I just want to learn how to climb and like get closer to divinity and freedom that I am feeling like I've never felt before as a black person. Can you, can we just stop over sexualizing and getting weird in the warm up? pulling your patriarchal strings. Can we just do circus? I'm in time again. And I wanted to say a shout out to the um, to one of the new laws that just got passed. I think it's the in the Arbitration Act, where it's ending the fact that uh, companies can, um, uh, whether it's workplace harassment or workplace sexual um, assault complaints, they can no longer put you into a non-disclosure and um, pay you off. They can no longer do that. So that's a, because that, my friends, is that. What Kaepernick is speaking about, we talk about it as like the weird kind of thing, which we've all experienced that before. Like, I don't want to date you. I don't care who you're dating. I'm here to learn. This is a sacred space. And it is so, for so long, not been that and been turned into something so far from that, where this is not Tinder, right? <clears throat> Your contortion class. Your whatever class is not Tinder. It is not your dating pool, to remind you. This is a workspace. It's a creative space. It's a safe space. But first off, too, like I said, it's a workspace. And so for those of us, too, that, you know, want to continue to bring that aspect into this industry because it's supposed to be there and should be there by way of protection. But how much that keeps you away from being able to get to where you're very much wanting to go. So please continue. I just had to interrupt and, and speak to that because it is, it literally just passed and uh, uh, has, uh, you know, it, it's a, it's a huge landmark for, for all of us in these spaces. And I would like to see more of that uh, being implemented in circus spaces. Mm. Oh my God. Thank you so much for sharing that. I, I didn't know that. So that is really great news. Uh, Woo, we, yeah, no, it, it, it's rough out there. And, um, you know, circus is like such a beautiful art form. Like I can't, I can't, you know, I can wax poetic about it because it really brings together so much of what I love. You know, there's the theatrical, there's the dance, there's the, it's, it, 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 it's the physical, <laughs> like magnitude of it, the strength capabilities that are otherworldly, pushing yourself through, you know, past your boundaries and enrapturing other humans with, um, you know, feats beyond our expectation that are pure spectacle and delight and that are also thrilling. Like, you know, things could go south at any second. Yeah. <laughs> So there's so much on the line. Um, so to to turn that to such a to turn that into a scary kind of place where you know yeah uh, yeah whatever. So um, 
you know, but it just happens. I don't know. I don't want to like blame the patriarchy, but you know, whatever. It can happen in a lot of different spheres and I've experienced it in a lot of different spheres and, you know, and, you know, it's not fun to be aggressed upon. And I will say as a non-binary person who is pretty fluid and right now I have my hair in um, extensions. I braided it in like pretty extensions. They're like turquoise and purple and black. Um, so I look kind of like femme or like feminine or girl woman type, but my hair is like a short Afro. I've got facial hair. I've got, you know, a little shadow of a mustache. And so when I'm kind of out and about in the world, I read as masculine and, you know, people read me differently. And so it's very important for me to, you know, show up and have these really clear boundaries and very clear agreements about how we're going to move through this class. And like my hand is on your lower back and okay. And how do you feel? Is it okay if I, you know, X, Y, and Z and, ah, you know, the things you didn't grow up on and there are the things that you want to share for the next generation. Amen. (laughs) (laughs) I also, anyway, we're speaking so hard because we want for you so much to not go through what we went through. And I say that with every fiber of my being for every single podcast, with every single panel, with every single level of advocacy. I I continuously say, I do not want anyone to go through what I've been through or what I have seen others go through. Because mm-hmm. speaking on the experience of others, sometimes they say it wasn't necessarily me, but I was witness. And like how we can be witnessed so much. Um, you know, and being observers and how it's important to, to speak on behalf of others when you, when it's appropriate, obviously, I'm not saying to take over their narrative or hijack that, but the things that you've seen that you know that are wrong in this industry that you've seen perpetuated against vulnerable, creative, beautiful acrobats, whether they be of color or not, whether they be binary, queer, trans, any of those any of those we we have seen taken advantage of um, in so many unfortunate ways. Um, and, you know, for me, it's, um, it's so unfair. Um, and I would like others to not have traumatizing experiences that I have had um, that have colored those experiences that should have been so beautiful, that should have been uh, much more inspiring or exciting for me, but that I didn't, I wasn't able to source that goodness from them in that same way because whether I was having something inflicted upon me or I was within a group where things were inflicted upon us as a group or somebody was singled out um, unfairly. Um, And so bringing all of this to cause for them and for myself um, so every, I, I, you speak so like, so poetically and so real, um, capably, which I also think is a really important thing. Sometimes, you know, like I can just, I just hear you. Um, and I think sometimes that's really also an important aspect too, of, of our voices being there, because sometimes again, like the conversations get hijacked with voices that are, um, that are profiteering off of something. And for us, it's like we have everything to lose, not very much to gain by being honest and being open and being truthful in, in so many in, in, in these conversations, um, because we're not protected by, you know, a huge smoke screen of, you know, millions and billions of dollars a night yet. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Italy is on their way. 
I really am. I really am. Yeah. No, I want to see. I'm sorry. I don't mean to cut you off. No, please continue. Oh, yeah. Yo, I I was trying to figure out. I was like, do I want to become an aerial agent? Mm. You know, I was trying to figure out where am I evolving in my in black? Well, how is black acrobat evolving? Like what's next? Mm-hmm. And because um, I really I'm all about visibility and community and you know, what's next? I love telling these narratives, you know, Black queer narratives, because, you know, I'm telling my stories, basically. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, you know, definitely about healing, definitely relationships and love. Um, uh, But what I was trying to say, I guess I'm really, I really want to see this future where, now that we have this influx of black and brown bodies, yes, you know, taking the classes, learning the skills, lira, pole dance, silks, rope, trapeze, you know, all the things, seer wheel, um, hand balancing. Ooh, we, I'm just finding all kinds of people. And I, you know, I did not go to circus school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I took a lot of classes with a lot of amazing people. I got very obsessed. I, you know, went across the pond and studied in Europe and just tried to do all the things. Um, Cause I was going to let, everybody was going to see this black person. <laughs> Everyone was going to see me on my rope. I was going to be around the fucking world. You were going to see this black acrobat. I was going to be the face of fucking circus. She's, I hate yo. What's up with Cirque du Soleil? Whatever, whatever. There's there's more there's more circus and Cirque du Soleil. Anyway, <laughs> so I would love to take this repository and just write like Circus de Black Soleil. Do you know? <laughs> I just oh that's the tweet. That's the tweet, y'all. Just what like this training center, this place with rehearsal studios, you know what I mean? Mm. Just like a place where we can dream and not have to worry about some stuff that we shouldn't have to worry about. You know, so we can focus on the work, so we can focus on the technique, so we can focus on um you know, the circus dreams that are not drenched in, you know, a European aesthetic or like some sort of like snobby, you know, you have to go to this place to have any credentials or, oh, you didn't point your toe, you flexed it, or, you know, you, 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 maybe you you did a ritual and you, you know, you, you, you were praising water, you know, you know, Things that some people don't understand, we're going to just get. And like, I would love that safe space for us and to be able, especially in this country, because I think we're talking, you know, we can talk about circus around the world, but we are both in the United States of America. So just to kind of condense it to this, to this space, that's my dream. That's literally my dream. I've always dreamt of uh, a space well, it was like a live workspace, but, <laughs> but, you know, just right. Having that studio, having that, um, nave, what is the word in English for nave? Having that big, um, industrial space where you can rig. 
I lived in Spain, so I speak Spanish and sometimes I can't remember words in English. So, yeah. <laughs> Thank you for teaching us, Kivali. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so, so yeah, so, so, so I just, I guess wanted to just jump in and like talk about the future and like the dream and like the network of all of, uh, all of us out there and, and to have like, oh, let's have a residency and like maybe the Southern contingent, they can all meet and maybe uh, the, the, the Northern contingent, they can all meet or, you know, West coast, East coast. And then there can be like a region, you know, I have a lot of dreams and a lot of ideas. Um, but then it's always, you know, that's right. Money, 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 money. <laughs> Where is that money? And, you know, speaking of that, we're also winding down we're within the last about minute or so of the podcast, Kipali. And thank you again. I'm so honored to have you on. It reminds me of India Ari's campaign uh, right now with Spotify and in pulling off her work and in speaking about, you know, uh, the fulfillment of Black artist dreams. And she's speaking on behalf of all artists, actually, in terms of um, the inequity there and not making enough money off of their streams and not making enough off of their art. Yet then Spotify can go and offer, you know, certain individuals $100 million here and there. Um, and then also, too, not offering uh, Black artists um, those same kind of contracts, even though they have similar amounts of audiences. So, again, the money is there. The money is out there. I, again, just uh, speak to anyone out there outside of circus or in the performing arts world, anyone who knows investors, um, anyone who is interested in being an angel investor, a silent investor, a prominent investor um, that wants to be a part of this world. And also too, again, to the corporatized companies that continue to benefit um, all of this off of all of this talent. Um, if you want to see more of this environment change, if you want to be a part of this change um, and the financial aspect of it, that does make a difference. It's not the only aspect which we continue to speak about it's part of it. It's not the only thing, just like with reparations, but it does matter. Money is a spiritual exchange. It's an exchange of energy. And if you've taken something from me, I don't just want an apology. I would also like the thing that you took back. So in ending with that, I would love you, Kaybully, if you have anything else to share in this last little minute, you're so brilliant, so amazing. I'm so inspired. Thank you again. And uh, yes, please. <laughs> Oh, Shanae, I am so grateful for you for having this space uh, to, to be able to share these thoughts and dreams and hopes for the future and, and needs. Uh, it's so important. Um, I just really want to let everyone know that if you want to do circus, if you want to do anything in your heart, go and do it. Go and try. And maybe you may not have all of the funds at the moment, but if you just take that first step and just dip your toe in, the universe will hear and respond in kind. And I truly believe in that. And the resources will start to come. I believe in that strength. Thank you so much. This podcast was recorded on Zencaster. The Live Like an Acrobat podcast is also available on Circus Talk, the inclusive, independent, and international online network for the circus industry. Circus Talk's mission is to create a level playing field for this industry and democratize access to information. I'm your host, Shanae Stiletto, and until next time, please stay safe and stay healthy. 
Check out my new pro series, Think Like an Acrobat, which is available exclusively on Circus Talk. It's pro tips for professionals within the circus arts industry. Please make sure to check out the circuspreneurblog.com for extended conversations and interactive content of each episode of the Live Like an Acrobat podcast. Join the Live Like an Acrobat podcast on Patreon. Become a patron. Enjoy early episode releases of the Live Like an Acrobat podcast and stay tuned for more exclusive content to come in the future as the community grows. Help me, your host, Shanae Stiletto, to keep bringing you the creatively innovative episodes that you've grown to love by signing up at www.patreon.com slash live like an acrobat podcast. I hope to see you on Patreon and thank you so much for your support of the podcast. It's my intention that the Live Like an Acrobat podcast will make a lasting positive impact on the circus arts world, performing arts world, creative entrepreneurship world, and acrobatic gymnastics competitive world at large.